Well, good morning. I'm so glad to see that you are here and you're choosing to join in once again online um, as we kind of uh, continue just this process of staying home, uh, kind of like staying away from people. I know the world is so changing and there might be light at the end of the tunnel. Let's be real. There might be light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but, you know, the, the world, the world is just a, an interesting place these days, isn't it? That's just incredible. Well, I appreciate Jesse leading us through communion, and I, I hope that you enjoyed the worship set uh, with Carrie Job and her and her band. That, is, that has just been such an encouraging thing to have them produce that for the church and then lead us all through that. Uh, it's so fun to know that we're all doing that together, um, and I know I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it tremendously. So uh, today we're starting a new series, and I'm, I'm stoked, and you might uh, have uh, seen this. Uh, it's called Pause, and uh, the concept behind this and why I, I think it's really a neat thing to do as a church um, and why it's a neat thing, I think, for, even personally for me to do is it's the concept of this, that, that around this idea of pause, it's just to take a break from things. And in fact, I know some people are definition people. So I just put the, the just the simplest definition here. Pause is actually to just an interruption in action or speech. Now, why uh, I think it, most of us have had this, it's in a kind of an interruption of action. Now I know that a lot of us, the world is still busy. There's still lots to do, but there's just a lot of things that we were doing that we're not allowed to do, or we we're doing that we're not able to do, or we're, that we were doing, but we're choosing to not do. And then a lot of it is there's just a lot of things that we haven't been able to see, say, and talk to each other. And there's just been this like breaking communication for the large part. Now we have Zoom and we have ways to talk, but for, for the most of us, it really does feel like a place of pause. And I watched a movie this last week called Free Solo. And it's a it's, a, it's an amazing movie that's on Disney Plus, if you want. It's a documentary about a guy named Alex who actually summits El Capitan, the one of the largest open-faced granite cliffs in the world in Colorado, or in Yosemite Park, I should say. And uh, he does this without ropes, free climbs it. I hate heights. All right. I hate heights. Not my, not my type of movie to normal, but there was just this great feeling watching that movie that that's kind of what it feels like right now in my life, where there are some things that I feel like we're up against. There are some obstacles and it may not even just be the virus. It's just talking through the political atmosphere, the economic atmosphere, just possibly our health and just the way that the way the world moves forward and what, what the world will look like could be very different. And I feel like we're at this pause and I'm not saying it's going to be like a copy tan, like this massive cliff, but it's definitely going to be something that I think a lot of us can see as the next few months or years could be a little bit more daunting than normal. Normal. It could be a little bit more difficult. But also, I, I, I see that not being just the only thing that I'm up against. I see this as the last few weeks, the last month has given me this place of personal pause where I've been forced to slow down, been forced to kind of break back the things that I had put in my life. And all of them weren't bad, I would say, but it's now given me a, an insight into what my life could be in a different way. And it's almost one of those, like, I don't know how to go back or I don't know what it'll be like to try to go back to what it was like before. I, I enjoy some of the things that I found that I never knew I wanted. Time with my wife, time with my kids, uninterrupted time, uninterrupted time with them. Um, that is 
the stresses of the world have kind of faded away in the sense of my busyness and my needing to be doing things all the time. And so the premise of the series is to say, what if, what if as a community, what if as a group here in spirit, we, we just took advantage of this pause? We took advantage of this moment where, where there is an interruption in our daily routines that were there before in our daily um, desires for busyness or the things that we had to get done. And, and we said, before we rushed back in, we, we, we took a moment to, to pause and we took a moment to say, okay, what are we going to do? And so how I want to shape this is I want to show you how this is not a unique thing in history. In fact, the Bible itself speaks to uh, many pauses in people's lives where they, they came up against something where it caused everything to kind of shift and they had to figure out the next steps. And it wasn't something that they could just fall back to what they did before. They, they felt like they had to change some things. And so I want to introduce um, just one concept here, and then I want to kind of walk you through how this is just an, an incredible, I think, spiritual journey that we're all going to be on over the next few weeks and months and possibly the next year or two, just to see if this has lasting effects, not just in our economy and our nation, but lasting effects on us personally that we would choose to maybe let this be something that would shape us and change us. So I wanna, I wanna turn our attention to a character of Peter. Um, Peter has multiple places in scripture where he shows up. In fact, he's written several letters himself. And Simon Peter has a large kind of uh, role to play in the church itself. But his story is told in all four of the gospels, but there's a specific section in John that I wanna highlight that I think does a great job of kind of exposing um, a little bit of, of Peter's pause moments. Now, this isn't the only one that Peter has in his life. In fact, I'm going to highlight a couple of them. But I, I want you to see how these pause moments in Peter's life end up reshaping and I think eventually lead us to maybe making some reshaping and pausing choices in our own life. So I want to start with all the disciples interacting with Jesus in a unique way. In John chapter 21, Peter is among them. He, he's out in a boat in a lake of the Lake of Galilee, and they're fishing. Now, Jesus has come back. He's appeared a few times after he's died and been resurrected from the grave. And they fish all day and all night. And then all of a sudden in the morning, they have caught nothing. I mean, nothing. And these guys are fishermen. That's their, that was their job. That was their profession. That's what they were good at. And they've got nothing. And then this guy, and they don't know who it is at the point in the story, this guy just shows up in, in verse, I think it's like six, no, verse six. And he says, hey, hey uh, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. And, you know, I can just imagine if I'm a professional at something, it's like the, the, the mom in, in the stands that tells her son to swing a certain way. It's the, it's the backseat driver that tells the guy, to, you know, it's the person that gives the advice that wasn't even asked for advice, right? You're like, oh, please, no. And so he's throwing the nets on the other side. But they're so desperate in the moment. And you can tell that they're just like, whatever, you know. So they throw their nets on the other side. And immediately, it's just filled with fish. I mean, just filled. Their nets are 
filled with fish. And then it's like in that moment, their eyes are open and one of them goes, it's the Lord. It's Jesus. It's the savior. And, and Peter's response, it's not, he just, he just jumps into the water. It says it's over a hundred yards away. And, and Peter just jumps into the water and he's, he's got to get to Jesus. He's just swimming to shore. And, it, and it, what the text sounds like is the guys just stayed in the boat and they just drug it. And it's like, they almost arrived at the same time. Like Peter thought he was going to be early. And it's like, he's like, he's like, I'm going to swim there. And then they're like, pulling in at the same time. And Jesus is there and he's, he's not there to like with a a bunch of like, like little stools and, you know, places set up. And he's not there with his, you know, with his uh, speech ready and and prepared. You know, no, no, no. He's got a fire and he's got some fish already cooking and he's got breakfast and he's ready to have this conversation with them. And in that moment, I, I can't help but, but think like, Jesus is coming back from the grave. Like he's only appearing, he's only appeared twice before. This is the third time. And yet his, his thought here is like away from the busyness, your nets are full. It says there's 153 fish in their nets. They count them later. They leave them there. They're just like, oh my gosh. And their nets don't tear, which normally when you have that many fish, they don't, they don't tear. They hold them all, right? And then in that moment, Jesus doesn't choose to to, to go, okay, 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 okay. We got to get the fish in. We got to get them to the market. We got to do this. He pauses and he's like, hey, let's have a meal together. Let's, let's just sit down and, and hang out together. Let's, let's just spend some time together. Man, I, I wish that I would naturally have some discipline in my life to see the value of that. I I think I would see the 153 fish in this net. I think I would see my, my livelihood, the the financial gain that that could be. I think I would know that that would be a huge help to my family or to my kids. And I would struggle, but yet Jesus offers a meal, just a soft little spot where they can sit and talk and food to eat and, and the disciples, there's no argument here. I think they're desperate for it. In fact, Peter's response to jump in the water and swim, I think, tells us that he's, he doesn't care about the fish. He wants to get to the feet of Jesus. And I hope that gives you the first kind of sense of pause, and it's the first thing I want you to think about. Jesus' voice can change everything. You can go from nets being completely empty to nets being completely filled, and you can go from a place of being frustrated and anxious and, and totally just overwhelmed with your inability to meet the needs of the things around you or to produce what you think you should be able to, to sitting and eating and enjoying the presence of Jesus. And all it took was just an instruction of Jesus. Now, the intentional place that this is put and why this is so key is because right before chapter 21 in John, uh, John gives you the whole purpose of the gospel of John. He said, this is everything written in the gospel of John is so that everyone would come to believe that, that all would, would choose to believe and that they would, they would come to know that Jesus is Lord. And then at the very end of chapter 21, the very conclusion of the book, John literally concludes by saying, look, if I wrote down all the stories about Jesus, uh, there would be, there would not be enough scrolls. There would not be enough ink. There would not be enough pages to record them. All the things that Jesus did, he was incredibly powerful. Now, why I want you to focus on just this, the, the section right after they have this meal with Jesus is the interaction that Jesus turns to specifically talk to Peter, to Simon, to Simon Peter. And he 
and Jesus have kind of a fractured relationship at this point. Uh, Jesus has been crucified, and before he was crucified, he told Peter, hey, you're going to betray me three times. And Peter said, no, I will die for you. I will die for you. And, and Jesus goes, no, you will. You'll deny me. And, and it comes to fruition. Like Peter, while Jesus is being led and tortured and led to the cross, it denies three times that he even knows Jesus, that he is not his friend, that he is not his disciple. And then, of course, the rooster crowing is the sign that Peter would wake to the remembrance that Jesus had told him that this would be the way it is. And so Peter now of meeting Jesus after he's risen, I, I know he and I would relate because I would feel the betrayal of my, of, I, I betrayed my good friend. I betrayed my savior. I betrayed the Lord. I, I walked with him for three years and in his moments of his greatest need, I betrayed him. And that's where Peter, and I know he feels it, which Jesus has fully forgiven him. There is no shame and grace, but he needs to fully restore him. And so at this meal, this pause with the fish bouncing around in the net and the boat probably full of them. And, and they're eating this meal. Jesus turns to Peter and he says some really intentional words. And I can't help but think this pause was part of the reason that Jesus wanted him to be able to hear these words clearly. And this is what it says in verse 15 when Jesus interacts with him. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, Son of John, do you love uh, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He's talking about the fish, he's talking about his prophet, he's talking about the people even around him. Do you love me more than yes, yes, Jesus? Then feed my lambs. Feed my lambs, feed my people, feed my people. And he keeps going. And again, Jesus said to Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. Now, at this point, he's done it twice. And I'm sure Peter's head has dropped just a little bit more each time, right? He knows why he's going to do it a third time because Jesus is asking him the third time because he wants to give him a full rest, like full reinstation, a full reinst- you know, reinstating him fully into that relationship, restoring him completely. So on the third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. He's like, oh, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Such a cool confession. You already know the answer. And I think at that point, I hope Peter starts to put dots together. He's like, this isn't for me. This is for you. This isn't for me. This is for you. And he says this, Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you were stretched out your hands, someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would be glorified, would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Now, why this is such a cool moment, why this is so powerful, is this is a pause moment for Peter. Peter had an opportunity earlier on when Jesus was being led to be with Jesus and to seek and be his follower at the foot of of Jesus. And that would have led to a torturous death, just like Jesus. It would have led to him being persecuted and then put on a cross and it would have led, but, but Peter did not follow through. 
He did not follow through. He did not go with Jesus. He did not follow him. But this is a prophetic thing that Jesus says. And in fact, if you look into history, and I encourage you to, Peter, son of John, or Simon Peter, goes on his full lifespan, goes to India, and is actually crucified upside down because he refuses to be crucified in the same way that Jesus was. He does not feel equal to that, but they turn the cross over and they crucify him upside down. And in that way, Jesus shows him and tells him that you will follow me. Now, as encouraging as probably it was for to hear that Jesus is saying, hey, you're going to follow me, it would have been devastating to know that he was going to suffer a horrible and tremendous death, but he was calling him to follow him. Now, this is a pause moment, Peter, isn't it? Because the Jesus voice can change everything. We know this, that Peter followed through with this prophetic word. Peter followed through with the words of Jesus, that he did feed his sheep and intact, took it to the very edge of the Roman world, took it so much that the, the people that he influenced and talked to and actually brought the gospel to became such a rebellious thing in the best of ways that was changing the world around him that it caused his own death. Peter went from somebody that denied Jesus and would not walk with Jesus, would not follow Jesus to a pause moment on a beach with a ton of flopping fish to saying three times, I love you, I love you, I love you. And then following his savior to his own cross in response. And that's because the voice of Jesus can change everything. I find it curious though, that before this happens, that Peter has this moment in his ministry in Acts chapter 10. Um, Peter obviously is on this path towards his eventual martyrdom, but in the midst of his ministry, we find it recorded in Luke's uh, book of Acts. And in chapter 10, he has a specific unblinding of his heart that I want you to see. And why I think the journey of pause is so important is this, that the voice of Jesus changes everything. And so many of us still have things to learn. I think at that point on the beach, when Peter is told, hey, love my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Do you love me? Follow me. I think at that point, Peter knows that it's going to be a difficult journey. He knows the ending, but I don't think he probably fully realized, much like each of us don't, what God is going to teach us, what Jesus is going to teach us on the way. And Peter has walked with Jesus. He has seen the risen Savior. He knows Jesus. But there's something deep in him that yet to realize the fullness of what is up, what God is up to, what Jesus is really up to. And in Acts chapter 10, Luke does a brilliant job of recording another pause that happens to Peter on his journey. Another pause that interrupts kind of his busyness, his plans, his purposes that he thinks he's fulfilling, that Jesus in, in, he comes in and goes, no, 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 there's more to it. So I want to open your eyes up to Peter's journey that this voice that has called him to a ministry that will last a lifetime in John 10, it opens up to the broad and the larger picture of what's going on. And in Acts chapter 10, Peter is leading the church and doing incredible things with the church in Jerusalem. He's seeing a punch of 
people that are is uh, you know, that are that are the Hebrew background that are that are of, of Israel's descent that are coming to faith. But there's more to this story. There's more to this story. And so Peter interacts in a, a very unique way with a vision. I want to I want to lay this out in Acts chapter ten, verse nine. It says this about the noon the next day after a, an event that has happened that's going to connect. And I'll tell you in just a second what it is. Uh, following the journey, they approached the city. Peter went up to the roof to pray. This is Peter did this often, and he became hungry. I, I love that there's realism in that. How many of y'all have ever gotten alone to pray or had something you need to focus on and then you get hangry, all right? And he wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. This is a dream. Now, I want you to see the connection here. Watch the connection here. Remember the three denials. Remember the three times that Jesus interacts with them on the beach and says, feed my sheep. Watch what happens here. He saw heaven open something open and something like a large sheet being let down uh, to the earth by its four corners. It continued, uh, it contained all kinds of four hoof, uh, four footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Now pause. This is something the animals that are represented here are not animals that you and I hear that and we're like, okay, well, I pick an animal and eat. All the animals that are represented here, when you look into this, are animals that are considered unclean, that are considered to not be something that Peter should eat at all. These are things in the dietary restrictions of Leviticus and Deuteronomy. They should not be touching these. These are these are things that are would defile the body, that are not good. And they're put there intentionally as kind of a place of saying, hey, you were going to set apart. Israel, you are set apart from the rest of the world. You are not going to eat even the same things. You'll be different. It's to say holy, set apart, holy. That's what that means, set apart, holy. And so this would mean to be a good Jew, to be a good follower of the Jewish religion, the Jewish faith, the Torah, before Jesus had come, you would need to not eat this. And so the voices says, get up, Peter, and kill and eat. And so Peter's response, you have to understand, is coming from a place of his entire heritage, his entire background, what he's been told she shouldn't do. So his response is, it says, surely not, Lord. He's like, no way. This is a trick. No way. I can't. Peter replied, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Look, I have stayed away from that stuff. I don't eat the bacon. All right. I don't get it. I'm not going to do it. And then the voice spoke to him a second time and said, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. And immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. Now, if Peter was a little bit skeptical at first, and I'm sure the first thing is like, oh man, that third time, you think he starts to put it together? He's like, oh man, three times. Here we go. Here we go. I mean, at this point, Peter starts to go, there's no way. There's no way this would change everything. And I, I think what he's starting to put together is to go, no way. What God, what, what I would call impure, God has made pure. God has made a way for the things that were impure before to be connected. And this is what I would tell you. Jesus' voice can change everything. Jesus' voice can change everything. 
This is a moment where it's going to go from what Peter thought was just for the Jews is going to be for the whole world. What he thought was going to be just for a select group of people that he was comfortable with, that he thought was all for, that it's now going to be opened up for everyone. The gospel is not just going to be for Jerusalem. It's going to be for Judea and Samaria and for the the very ends of the earth, the very calling that Jesus had said, not to just find the Jews in those places, but to find all people that would be willing to walk and follow Jesus. And this is mind-blowing, but the voice of Jesus changes everything. The voice of Jesus changes everything. And so in this moment, he's like, oh my goodness. So the continuation of this is in the next couple of verses, he said, hey, Peter, there's going to be a guys that are going to show up at your house and you're going to go with them. And you're going to go see this guy named Cornelius because Cornelius is a Gentile. And he has had a vision that Peter is supposed to come to his house, which Jews and Gentiles never mix. That is oil and water. They don't go to the same places. If you even went into a Gentile's house as a Jew, it would cause you to be impure. It would cause you to be basically desecrated. You would have to go to the temple and do a ceremonial washing to become even holy again, to be set apart, to be pure. And so they didn't do it. Peter hadn't done this before, but yet right after this happens, the third vision happens. These guys show up at Peter's house. Peter goes down there. He follows them back to Cornelius's house. And then he goes into Cornelius's house. And then it's like, He's starting to put this together. Cornelius asks the very questions that you would want someone to ask. He's like, hey, I'm supposed to ask you, who is this Jesus guy? And Peter's like, oh my goodness, this is really happening. And so Peter lays out the entire gospel message. He explains that Jesus came and died and that he's been risen and that he offers new life to those that would choose to believe. And then this happens. The response happens. It is So crazy. While Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished. The gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Pause. This is the same thing that has happened in Acts chapter 2 to the Jewish believers. They spoke in tongues. They were praising God. It was right in front of a huge crowd and thousands came to believe. This speaking in tongues, we like to hear it as holy language or angel language. Angel language. It's not necessarily that. This, this translation here is just other languages. Languages they didn't know, but that the gospel needed to be spoken in. If you can imagine Cornelius speaking Hebrew, not Greek, all of a sudden. Just immediately speaking Hebrew. So these circumcised guys that know the Torah that's in Hebrew, they're immediately like, whoa, whoa, what's going on here? This is confirming some things that I did not know. And so they're praising God and and then all of a sudden, surely no one can stand in the way of them being baptized. This is it. So they baptize them with water and they receive the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Oh, what a change. And this is what I'll tell you. The Holy Spirit is Jesus' voice and it can change everything. 
The Holy Spirit is Jesus' voice and it can change everything. I love the idea here that the Holy Spirit is the presence of Jesus. Jesus had a physical body, but the Holy Spirit is the presence of Jesus. It is the relationship between the Father and Jesus as one. And it is telling and is speaking that united truth with passion and it changes everything. And for some of you, you may have never thought about whether or not you're listening or even you have access to the Holy Spirit. Now, this is a complicated thing. It's, it's something that for a lot of people, it's the, the forgotten God, as Francis Chan would say. It's the part of this triune nature of who God is, a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I love the thought process around this, that, that you and I need a clear understanding of who the Holy Spirit is because that is something that Jesus promised with, with great power that would help, that would advocate for us, that would be someone that would speak on his behalf and on the Father's behalf, that it would tell and it would give wisdom and power to us as we needed it. And the disciples and the apostles and the early believers to the believers now, we need to recognize that Jesus is still speaking through him. That most of us have never heard the real voice of God or, or an audible one, I should say. But for a lot of us, we recognize and know that there is a peace. There is a small, quiet voice. There is a loud background voice sometimes that is speaking over us in the back of our mind that tells us and speaks wisdom. And to those that are followers in Christ, this is something that Jesus wanted us to know it would be even better than his physical presence. And in fact, when Jesus admits that he's going to leave and that he has to go, uh, his disciples are so discouraged and they're actually sad because they're like, no, we don't want you to leave. Like you're here. And, and as you and I would probably be like, I don't want you to leave, but, but he's going, no, 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 I, I, I need to leave because then this better thing can come. And, and I want you to hear how he tells his disciples. And I think how he still tells us in John chapter 14, exactly what this will mean. He says, look, uh, anyone who loves me will obey my teachings and my father will love them and we will come to them and make a home with them. This is his promise. If you love God and you love others like we love others, we will make a home with you. And anyone who does not love me will not obey my teachings. These words you hear are not mine. They belong to the father who sent me. We are together. These are united things. As this, I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, I love that, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will be a representative, he will be the expression of, he will be the fullness of, will teach you all things. Man, do I need to grow. Is there not some things that in this pause, oh, I need to learn? Will you remain with you in everything I have said to you? And will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you. Uh, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. I do not let your, so do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The gifts that we receive from earthly places last for small times. They do not last for lifetimes, but Jesus gives gifts that last and give peace that remains, that gives wisdom that does not run out, that gives power that does not get overwhelmed. It is something that the advocate is a promise of peace that is a heavenly gift. It is beyond 
what we truly need. And when you think about the Holy Spirit, I want you to think about two things. Go back to this slide just before this, Jed. I want you to see this. We'll teach you all things and we'll remind you of everything I have said to you. You are going to be reminded of the things, of the voice, of the words that you have been taught. You are going to be taught new things, all things. You will be reminded and shown and and you will experience new things. That is the Holy Spirit's job to teach you new ways to live and remind you of the ways you've already learned, to teach you new ways to live and remind you of things that you've already learned and to help you walk with that. That's its job. It's to be the advocate for the father and the son's relationship that is in home in us. That's its job. And so for us, moving forward, starting this series, saying we're going to go on a journey, we're going to see the places that God has caused pause and reevaluation of where we're going, of perception of new things, of reminding of things that we already knew that we just had forgotten that was important or priority. I think it's important to recognize that we need the voice of the Holy Spirit because it's the voice of Jesus and it changes everything. It can change everything. And so in these moments where you find a little bit of pause, in these moments before we take on the cliff of rebuilding or before we jump back into the craziness of life, and in the moments where we pause and we have a few seconds to hear an uninterrupted, quiet whisper of a voice, maybe we need to make some changes. Maybe we need to make some new things happen. Maybe we need to listen to that voice. I have three questions that I want to leave you with today as we pause. The first is this, am I listening for the Holy Spirit to speak the words of Jesus to me? Am I listening for the Holy Spirit to speak the words of Jesus to me? Am I Am I listening? And, and when, when I say that, listening, it's a posture. If you've ever had someone try to listen to you while not making eye contact or by looking a different direction or by looking down at their phone, you know that that's not listening. Right? Yeah, 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 I'm listening. Right? If you've ever had someone listen to you, but you speak over them the whole time, no, 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 I'm listening. I'm listening, but they're talking. That's not listening. If you've ever listened, not with the intent to get your next point out to prepare your next thing. No, no, no. That's not listening. Uh, Listening is sitting quietly. It's being open. It's being willing to give them a place to speak, not to get your words out, but to hear theirs. The second thing I want you to think about is this. Am I listening and responding? Am I listening and responding to what God is asking me to change? Man, if I don't listen to my wife tell my kids 15 times to do something sometimes and think that is me with God. Pick up your towel, get your pajamas on, brush your teeth, brush your teeth, brush your teeth, pick up the towel, pick up the towel, pick up the towel. Wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. God does the same thing with us. Why would he change what he is speaking if it's the very thing that needs to change? 
Why would he change what he's been speaking to you if he knows it's the very thing that he's working on? Maybe this is the first time in a long time that you have paused long enough to just hear it clearly, to just get quiet enough to listen and hear it clearly. And now you need to respond. You need to respond. You need to make changes. If things have happened in the last month that have been the healthiest things for your marriage or for your parenting or for your finances or for your relationships, if you have found a way to have a more healthy routine and you are hearing it, or if you feel the tension of some things that you just had to get away from and that had a hold on you that was causing more stress or that you see a break in some things that you are doing right now that you want to continue, man, and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and respond to that. The last question, am I putting into action what I am hearing? Am I putting it into action? Don't just talk about it. Don't just agree that it's a good thing to maybe try. Get a plan. We are a few weeks, maybe a few months away from starting to feel things ramp back up. And you do not have to settle back into your old routines if you do not want to. You do not have to go back into what was before. You can choose new, healthy things. You can choose new routines. You can choose to say, this is what's going to be different. We are going to eat meals together as a family. I don't care if we have practices every night. This night is pure. We are going to do it. Sports does not trump this. This goes right here. This is so healthy for our family. We're doing it. I don't care if they offer overtime. I'm not taking it. I need space. My body, my soul needs space. That extra money would be great for pleasures and things that I would love to be able to do with it, but it's not worth my soul. It's not worth my soul. Man, I need to make space to read my Bible. I know I don't have to do this, right? But I need to make space. This has changed everything when I pray for five minutes and read my Bible every morning. This has changed everything when I choose to intentionally do that every night. This has changed everything when our family actually does things as a family. And I'll tell you, when you put these things into action, when you pause, you recognize that God is leading you to change some things. You respond well, and then you put it into action. Our whole series is going to be based on this type of stuff. It's going to be whole, all, all of the things we talk through. It's going to be based on saying, hey, is the Holy Spirit talking to me? Is Jesus talking to me about changing this stuff? Am I listening and responding? Am I willing to even listen and respond? Or am I ignoring it? And then am I putting a plan? Am I putting it into action? I'm excited to see where God goes with this. I'm excited to see the continued ways, just like Peter that watched as God took empty nets and filled them up, as watched as he took his moment of shame and redeemed it into the moment of greatest calling that would lead him to a martyrdom of life, as he watched him change the very way that he saw the gospel go from small to large and to grow into one of the largest movements in the world that would take over even the Roman nation and (laughs) empire, as he watched it go from just his small little group of people that he knew into everyone in the planet, and God let him be a part. I wonder how many of us are on a similar path where all our plans need to be pushed aside for the words of Jesus to see us 
prosper and to find full life and to sit in small, quiet places and just have a meal with Jesus, to be near to him. I wonder how many of us are just waiting for a moment to hear Jesus redeem their deepest, darkest secrets, to see grace overflow and to see a calling placed on our life that is worth dying for, to see us be used by Jesus, to not just welcome those that are easy, but the ones that are unreachable, like the Gentiles to Peter, that are beyond his reach, that we would see God use us to do greater things. I wonder how many of us need to remember that it all starts with the voice of Jesus. The voice of Jesus can still change everything. And if we would just pause and remember that. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope that if you're watching on YouTube, you're subscribing and you're checking out all the ways to engage through comments. If you're in need of help or anything, if anything's going on, and I know we're reaching out as much as possible, please do not hesitate. Drop an email. Give us a call. We're a community of people on mission, bringing full life to anybody who would like to follow Jesus. Man, you guys have a great and glorious day in the Lord. We'll see you later.